Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Components. I'm Ren, product marketer at Hereto and your podcast MC. I'm Patrick, CEO here at Hereto. And I'm Jared, lead solutions consultant. Thanks for joining us on our weekly conversation about componentized and structured content. Hope you enjoy this 15 or so minutes of fun talking about everything from data to innovations in AI. All right, let's get into it. Hey there, welcome to Components. I'm your host, Patrick Pozik. This is the single topic podcast that discusses modern content strategy using structured and componentized content. Just like component content, each episode is short and about one thing. All right, let's get to it. Hey, Tim again. This week, Jared, Patrick, and I are talking about metadata and taxonomies, what that means for us, machines, and your content. Enjoy. Um, I had originally planned on asking each of you to give me a definition. So I'm going to start with Patrick and ask for the Twitter version of metadata. Twitter version. I can give you a really long version. Twitter version might be a little bit more difficult. So, okay. I mean, it's not straight Twitter version, but just like spark notes. How's that? Is that still a thing? Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. I actually have a great Twitter. You should follow them. <laughs> and it all comes full circle. Um, so I would say that metadata is, well, I mean, so metadata is data about data. I mean, there's that, but on top of that, as it relates to content, most people think of it as tags that describe the content. So it's tags that give you the isness of the content. What is this content? Um, what is it related to? Um, what, you know, what is the categorization? What groups is it in? So it's, it's really like it's digging into the isness of the content, but there's a lot of other things about content that I think are not. So I think most people think of metadata really in like the very like purely like tagging sense. But metadata is oftentimes really just any very, very consistent data about a particular set of objects. So you can think of metadata from like an Amazon perspective, where if you're searching for furniture, you know, all furniture is going to have dimensions. So you're going to have metadata for dimensions. And then if you go down into like chairs, you know, you're going to have another set of dimensions, which would be like the seat height or something like that, or like the back height um, or the number of legs, uh, which I think is hopefully four in most cases. Um, but like, you know, it's, so it, it starts to be common sets of attributes, which are useful for groups of content or digital products, you know, which are kind of the same thing in a lot of ways. Right. And I think that that's a really useful way of thinking about it. But I think that in a lot of ways, there's also a lot more metadata out there to be had that people aren't necessarily leveraging and they aren't thinking about um, as much. And I think it starts to get into, you know, more specific applications of, you know, connections between data and um, aspects of data. Um, so when you start forming, you know, maybe secondary relationships between data, like that's metadata too. So like linking can be metadata. And then when you form relationships between people and content, like that's metadata because now you know that those people um, have a relationship to that, that content in one way or another. So you can derive or you can guess at, you know, aspects about those people. So there's, you know, I think there's, there's this really, really wide swath of things that are becoming recognized as metadata. And one of the big challenges 
or opportunities, probably opportunities really, that we're going to have as a profession going forward is finding ways to um, use a lot of that secondary that secondary metadata or the less common metadata because like the tagging and like filtering based on tagging and ranges and other controlled fields is pretty well understood at this point in time, I think. Okay. So I guess coming from the marketing side of this metadata to me has always been like meta descriptions, canonical links and stuff like that. So that's when you said consistent data about sets of objects, would that just be data about web content or a web page? Um, I think that it can be. So I think, I think one of the challenges of metadata is that the, the definition for what it is, is it's really, really, really broad. Like it's, it's right. You know, it's just like, it's incredibly broad. Um, you know, web pages have metadata, um, any individualized chunks of content have metadata and then metadata is used at different parts of the delivery chain to do different things. So like when you think about metadata for web pages, um, it's almost exclusively used for search engines, right? What what are what's another major use for metadata other than search engines on a web page? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I'm sure there is one that I'm just unaware of. Um, but you know, I think broadly speaking, the the intention of metadata on a web page is for search engines, but that's not the intention of metadata everywhere, right? So you can think of like a review period or a sunset date or a retention policy or something like that on um, other aspects of content. Like obviously this wouldn't go on a web page because it doesn't apply to the purpose of the web page, but it could apply to content at other parts of uh, the life cycle for that content that cause other things to happen. So like the metadata web page is just causing a search engine to be able to find it more effectively, right? Like you can use metadata to cause impacts in many places. So let me, let me give you a, like a, a really, um, really specific example. And before I do that, let me just switch my coffee from one mug to another. So I have two mugs. This one is smaller than this one and I like this amount of coffee. So I drink one fifth of my coffee out of this mug and then I switch it to this mug to keep it warm for a longer period of time. Right. Yep. I feel like we're supposed to, we gotta have an ad for that coffee mug. Cause there's a previous episode where we talk about it pretty extensively. <laughs> But not necessarily lovingly. <laughs> no. I mean, perhaps lovingly if you had an iPhone, but you don't. Well, but I've actually, but, but since, but since that, that show, as I, as, I demonst- or as I discussed on that one, I have figured out how to make it work with my phone, which again, could have just been documented. And it's a bit of a workaround, but I'm okay with that. Um, and now I am a much happier owner of this mug. You should probably just get a new phone. I actually do need to get a new phone. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Ember teamed up with Apple, you know? Yeah. I don't know that. I don't know that at all. Everybody teamed up with Apple. That's how you win. Okay. So other example, I think is pretty interesting. So metadata doesn't have to just be like a tag on a page, right? Um, so I, I did a project for a customer many, many, many moons ago um, that made really interesting use of metadata. And this was in-document metadata. So it was actually looking for um, a very specific structure in the document. And it was a combination of, uh, I think it was code blocks and and specific variable tags um, that they used to denote system commands. And then they had a result element that, I think it was a result element. I don't remember the exact structure. This is literally like five or six years ago. But 
they had a structure that would show you the command and the expected result from this command. And I wrote a little Python script that would go through their, um, their content and it would actually run those commands and check them against the results. So it effectively, not only did it test their content, it also turned their content into a form of unit tests for their product, which was like really, really cool, right? And that was all driven off of metadata. It was just metadata at the element level. Um, so when you think about like having these extra data structures around around your content, you know they're actionable. Um, they're things that uh, give you the ability to improve search, filter results, um, take action. You know, a sunset date gives you the ability to get rid of content. You know, an owner gives you the ability to find the person who should make an update. Um, you know, a, an element structure with the right variables and and results give you the ability to run that that content. You know, as a command, like it just it it makes your your content more actionable, more useful. Okay. Now, in all that, would you say that having having a good metadata structure or architecture is that dependent upon a taxonomy being like well developed and well put together? Are the two dependent upon each other? Like, can't have metadata without taxonomy and vice versa? Uh, no, I would not make that association. And actually, I think that's a dangerous association. Um, okay. So I think that certain forms of metadata strategy do require taxonomy. And what I would say about taxonomy is that taxonomy, in a lot of ways, should be thought of as a separate thing that is obviously related to metadata. So really a good taxonomy strategy is one that provides a, a common language, a common structure, a common set of classifications across an organization and across systems. So if you look at like organizations that have done this really, really well, what they've really done with their taxonomy is they put together this, you know, kind of common set of classifications that um, is interoperable between all the different systems that they use and therefore everything is consistent. So let me give you an example of a, a taxonomy that you use every single day and you don't even know you're using it. When you go to the supermarket and you pick up a piece of fruit or something in a box or anything like that, those uh, UPC codes, the like the numbers that are on those those different items, like the apples and the oranges and all that kind of stuff, those are universal numbers. There's a central authority that manages those numbers. So they're the same everywhere. Um, and it's a taxonomy. Uh, it's just a taxonomy. It's a very f flat taxonomy, I think. Although I guess it could be hierarchical. I think you could have like, I don't, I don't know that it is. Maybe it is like maybe the, the 4,000s are all apples. Um, but you know, I mean, like there's a, there's an association there. Right. And what that means is that anywhere through the supply chain. So you think of like our food system as being like a huge supply chain, which it is. Um, you think about your content ecosystem as being a huge supply chain, which it is. Anywhere throughout that supply chain, those numbers in that taxonomy are the same. So even if you call an apple something different in Georgia versus um, New York, like it still ties back to um, a very specific number in the supply chain and it can be tracked properly and classified properly and you can have a common dialogue around it. You can relate common pricing. Like there's, there's a way to, it's the backbone. That's what taxonomies are. It's the backbone that ties all of these things together, you know, in their different stages and implementations and places like that. It's a common language. So that's really taxonomy. And then obviously it relates to, you know, actual 
pieces of content or fruit um, when you tag it or put a sticker on it. Um, but that's not the only way that metadata can end up on um, on content or fruit. Rotten peaches. That's what they're called in Georgia. Yeah. yeah. So rotten would be a piece of metadata for that peach, right? All right. It's, it's an attribute. Yeah. But not necessarily part of the taxonomy. Not necessarily part of the taxonomy, yeah. That would be probably a label, you know? Well, okay. Preform label, rotten. But that's an important part of, that's an important distinction between taxonomies and metadata, is that a taxonomy is it's focused on what are the essential differences between these. And when you do that more fine-grained, those more fine-grained approaches, they're not these essential differences. They're, they're minor characteristics, but they all have the same essential feature. Apples, or in Georgia, rotten peaches. This is right. the peach state, right? Georgia? Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. I just figured yeah. any fruit there is rotten something. You know, like it's, it's some variation of a peach. It has to all be a peach. I think it's by law. Yeah, probably. Yeah.